Welcome to Life in the Land of the Ice and Snow. My name is Heather, and today I'm here with my co-host, Shayna. Hello. Hi, Shayna. Would you like to introduce our guest today? Absolutely. Oh, so the beautiful Shiona, like, you know, it's been a while since we've done this online again. So it's, you know, it's like, are we going to interrupt each other? But Shiona and I met a long time ago, originally from Australia, moved over to Sweden. We're going to hear her entire story. Um, But yeah, we've just, we've stayed in touch and I've been following your story with like, just on the edge of my seat. So I thought, what a great opportunity to get you in to join us at our podcast to talk about what's going on and and also hear like how do you end up in Sweden and I'm going to pepper you with questions so please do I'm more than happy to talk to you lovely ladies it's an honor and a privilege oh thank you <laughs> fantastic well, we can uh, we can just start with how did you first decide to come to Sweden it's kind of hard to phrase this correctly but <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> How did Sweden become my very unexpected adoptive home? Um, Well, it started, um, I first visited, I never, ever saw myself living in Sweden. It was never part of the plan. It was a complete happy accident. Um, So, yeah, I can't say that I had been dreaming of this moment my whole life. I absolutely knew nothing about Sweden. Um, but my first introduction to Sweden was actually, um, I have to confess, I'm a huge Eurovision fan. Um, so that's like a religion where I come from. It's like, yeah, Australians, oh. for some reason, we just, we we think we're part of Europe when it comes well, to To the point you have your own, like you're in Eurovision now. That says a lot right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we've managed to get past security and now we're in and you're never getting rid of us. <laughs> So I'm a huge Eurovision fan. I've been a massive fan for as long as I can remember. And um, in 2012, Eurovision was won by Swedish artist Lurian um, with Euphoria, which is um, one of my favourite songs. And um, what happens with Eurovision is the winner uh, the following year Eurovision is then hosted in that country and then that country is the host and the whole competition continues and that winner will come back the next year and sort of do the performance and I fell completely in love with Lurian and I was like that's it I need to I need to go to Sweden and I need to see Eurovision in Sweden and I need to see Lurian I'm obsessed and that's exactly what I did I got a a, a ticket for just myself um went over to Europe by myself and sort of did a, a big trip, but part of that trip was uh, was going to Malmö and sitting in Malmö Arena at the grand final of Eurovision and seeing Lurian, the winner of Eurovision the previous year, sing. And it was a huge, like, tick, life is complete moment for me. But uh, that, that trip then spurred me to move to Europe. Um, I didn't move to Sweden, though. I moved to London, um, as a lot of Australians do. And while I was living in London, um, I had one of my best friends come over, a, a guy called Scott. He came over to visit me. And while he was over, we did a, a little trip around Europe. We went to a few cities, one of which being Stockholm. And um, Scott was single. I was single. We, we were both into men. So we would sort of do like a gay night out and a straight night out and a gay night out and a straight night out. And we were each other's wingman. And we had varying degrees of success <laughs> in the different cities we were in but um in Stockholm both Scott and I found that the men were not as like they wouldn't approach us like men would in other cities I don't know if if you've noticed that but like 
they tend to be a little bit shyer <laughs> in Sweden. Um, so we brought in some reinforcements um, in, in the form of Tinder and Grindr. Um, and then uh, I handed my phone to my friend Scott and he was swiping through and he found Victor uh-huh. on my Tinder. And long story short, I ended up meeting Victor and I thought it would be a one night stand, which turned into a marriage. And now I live I in Sweden. <laughs> Here, I don't know if you guys have seen that article in the local where they talk about the eight different personality or like the eight different reasons you moved to Sweden. Yeah. Eurovision being one of them. The other one's like just, you know, following a spouse, studying, job. And then, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I think I've got a couple of those little columns that I've ticked off. And I actually amazingly managed to meet Lorian many years later, now living in Sweden. And I told her this, and I think she thought I was a bit nuts, but I just basically <laughs> hounded her and said, you're the reason I'm here. <laughs> Security. <laughs> okay, so that was, what year did you move to Stockholm then? So I moved in May of 2016. And you're just newly dating Victor or is Victor like, is it still like, how did, how did that work? So, so meeting Victor happened in 2015 and then we, we, you know, I would go there, I would come to Stockholm for a weekend and then he would pop over to London and we realized we really liked each other, but of course, like super, super early days. But, you know, I, again, had a visa issue. My visa was only lasting two years in the UK. So we sort of had to make a decision really early on in our relationship. It was a huge risk. I'd known the guy a handful of months, but I basically said, I have to leave and go back to Australia and this won't be able to continue. So do we end it or what do you want to do? And he just said, come to Sweden. Let's just give it a crack. So thank God we did. (laughs) So then you came over, what, with us? How, like how, what was the visa you came in on? So the the first visa I had was, um, so between Australia and Sweden, there's like a, um, if you're under 30 years old, you can basically yeah. get a year in, in most European countries, actually. Um, and you're allowed to work during that year. So if, if so that's, a, that's the one I came over on. It's very easy to get. You, you just need to be able to, you know, show that you're under 30 and you've got a passport, basically. Okay. So you're here for a year. In this time, what happens? Do you get a job? Do you like, what what are you doing in this time? Yeah, so I I managed to to get a job before I moved, which was amazing. Um, Well done. Thanks. I, cause I know it's such a, it's, it was, I was very, very lucky. I know a lot of people really struggle to get on their feet when they move, but I was very lucky to get a job. And so I worked from day dot basically when I, when I came and I'm really glad I did because then that was the reason I could stay because I could get a work visa. How long was it before you got married or is that more recent? We got married in 2021. Yeah. So that was, that was only recently, but because also part of the reason why I went for a work visa rather than a Sambo visa straight away was because A, Victor was still at university, so we wouldn't have been able to, he couldn't have proven that he would have been able to support me. And, um, yes, yeah, Sweden has this really annoying rule that you need to go back to your home country to apply and it takes like a year. And, yes, yeah, so at that time it just made much more sense to to go for the job visaing and get that it, it makes the most it's the logical sense absolutely yeah okay right. so so you come you get a job well done yes you got so that you have the next year of that what happens after that year of the work visa yeah so we are what happens when your work visa is about to come up to the end oh yeah so well first 
when you apply for a work visa, you don't get it straight away. For me, it took a year and a half even to get the work visa. Okay. So by the time I got the work visa, I'd already been living in Sweden for two and a half years. Um, then I got my work visa, which is two another two years. So by the time it was time to um, extend it, um, that was August 2020, like in the thick oh, wow. of the pandemic. <laughs> so that was real good timing. Um, and by this stage, Victor and I were engaged. He proposed. We we were meant to get married in 2020, but of course that didn't end up happening the way it was supposed to. Um, but again, it was this whole, oh, well, you know, do we extend the work visa or do we go for this relationship visa? But again, means I have to go back to Australia. Um, Australia was like locked down as hell. <laughs> so yep. I would we would have been separated and that was something that we weren't prepared to, to go through. I mean, we don't want to be apart for who knows how long. So Miguel Hunsverk had actually advised me to extend my work visa. They said, if your job hasn't changed and you're still doing what you're doing, just extend the work visa, which is exactly what I did. <laughs> So when does it go upside down? Yeah. (laughs) I'm foreshadowing. (laughs) Uh, So I, so basically I applied for the extension um, and how work visas uh, work uh, when you extend them is it's Migrohunsverket's responsibility to look back over the previous two years of your work visa and, and make sure that you were paid what you what you should have been paid, that you had uh, the right amount of leave that you should have had, that everything was, you know, so it's it's meant to be to ensure that the worker is not being exploited. But uh, they also check all your, your documentation like insurances and stuff. And when you're a worker in Sweden, um, you need to have a lot of insurances. Well, your employer needs to make sure they have a lot of insurances for you because, Sweden doesn't want to be responsible for you. That they don't. You shouldn't cost Sweden any money to come and work in the country. Totally fair enough. So that means you have to have life insurance, sick insurance, pension, insurance for your pension, all of these things. So Sweden, you know, you're totally taken care of. Um, and when I got my first work visa, I mean, you put all of these insurances in as as part of your application which they approved, of course, because that's how I got my work visa. But um, when they were looking over the extension and looking back, they noticed that two of my insurances back when we applied the first time were like one level too low for my role. So it would be like being insured as a blue-collar worker instead of a white-collar worker. What exactly is the difference there? Well, there's not a, it's a great question because we didn't know either. I mean, a lot of insurance companies don't even differentiate between the levels. It just happened to be that this company did. Um, and then, you know, we're, oh, okay, well, that's not a big deal. We can just reinsure her. It's no problem. Or we can pay the dip. Like a, there's very little difference in payment. It was just, we thought we, my boss had thought he did, did everything right. And so, and we said, oh, no problem. We'll fix it. And Miguel Hunsberg had said, no, no, no. She has been incorrectly insured. She needs to get deported. That's wild. <laughs> like it's wow. it is absolutely wild, especially if, you know, the employer is trying to do everything the right way and above board and follow the rules and yeah. makes a clerical error that obviously wasn't intentional. 
Of course, not intentional and also like approved. Like we had everything, we had no indication that these were wrong at all. And my boss felt awful because, you know, he had never employed an, uh, an immigrant before. So I think that was all the biggest issue. A lot of companies have gone through this, but, you know, if if they've done it more than once, they've had lessons learned. But of course, my my employer didn't know. And we all thought that this would be very easily fixed. You know, we we appealed the case. I went through a lawyer. So everything was like really good. Like my husband was reading my case and my husband's like, wow, this, this is so good. There's no way you're going to lose this. <laughs> it's so good. But it, yeah, um, the court ended up siding with Miguel Hunsverket and said, yeah, it's, what can we do? You're, you're incorrectly insured. Um, it doesn't matter that you could fix it. You have been incorrectly insured, so you have to leave the country. So, but is this what started the deportation tour or like? Yes, it's, this is the start of the deportation tour. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love, I love that. I mean, I, it's obviously a really shitty situation you're in, excuse my language. Um, but the fact that you've made humor out of it. Yeah, we've yeah. tried to. So, I mean, the the actual, the deportation side of things is done. So I, I left the country in April this year because, I mean, yeah. you know, when, when we appealed it, there's another year. We've been, when married now. Uh, so I le- when I left Sweden, I mean, getting deported sounds very dramatic, but it's the, the actual logistics of it is very straightforward. You just have a, a form and that you have to go through like a the border security and someone literally has to stamp you out of the country like officially um and even my border security officer was like why the hell are you getting deported what did you do <laughs> <laughs> i mean once i'd been stamped out of sweden the deportation side of it's done and it doesn't like hang over your head or anything it's all you basically just wipe the slate clean and you can start all over again. So um, as soon as I got back to Australia, I applied for the relationship visa. Now we are going for the Samba visa um, and that's what's sitting in a big pile um, in a Migruhunsverket office right now. So the reason I'm not in Sweden now is because, well, now I'm like any other Australian. I I can visit Sweden. Okay. in for 90 days, but then I need to leave for 90 days before coming back. Okay. So I have to live my life 90 days in, 90 days out until I get my next visa. <laughs> and what are they saying? Like the processing times are for this at the moment. Is it like a two year wait or? I think it'll be about a year. Okay. So we're looking April of 2023, fingers crossed. Yeah, there or I mean, hopefully early. You never know. And I'm yeah. I'm part of a lot of these. Um, it's an amazing community, the people who are waiting for visas. There's so many Facebook groups um that are even like for specific visas, like people that are waiting for family members to come over to Sweden. Um, and you know, and people are very generous with what they share. So some people end up waiting for eight or nine months. Like maybe yeah. I could be processed. By Christmas, I, I, the thing is, you just don't know. Um, but the main thing for Victor and I was that we we just didn't want to be separated. So we're doing this together. I have two questions. The first is, are you allowed to come to Sweden while you're waiting on the visa? Because it sounded like you you can come. I just remember in my day that I couldn't. So are you still allowed to visit? 
Yeah, Australians are. I know not everyone is allowed to do that, but Australians don't need a visa to visit. So that's why I can do it because, you know, according to Migrohunsverket, you're not allowed to have two visas at the same time. So because as a visitor, I don't need a visa, that's why I can do it. Okay. And then my second question was just, um, do you remember the names of any of these Facebook groups? Because I think that might be helpful to a lot of our audience. Oh, yes, absolutely. Shall I get one up for you? Because it's yeah. in Sweden, actually. <laughs> There's one called, it's called Vanta. Where is it? Ivanta for familien. Okay, waiting for the family. <laughs> yes, waiting for the family. <laughs> but in, in Swedish. So, yeah, yeah, in Swedish. But that is the main one. Um, so that, that is specifically for people who apply for the um, moving to someone in Sweden visa. And it's a really, really supportive group. So I totally recommend Good. doing that if you're in a similar situation. Because even though I don't really share anything, it's really like, Oh, it just makes me feel good seeing all these other cases get approved and popping up and it definitely gives you hope. Yeah, yeah, you feel like you're not alone. <laughs> totally, completely. Yeah. And and that's one thing I've learned through this whole thing is how many other people this happens to. There's nothing unique about my case at all. Scarily common. So I'm curious then. So like what are your favorite parts when you do get to live in the country? Well, it's great that you ask me now because I, I haven't been living in Sweden for two and a half months and I'm gagging to come back. I'm so ready to come back. And a few people be like, why? Like you're coming back in November. It's the the crappest time of year. And you know what? I I miss the things I miss are are everything's very it, it flows very well. Everything's very easy. I love cozy winter nights. I really look forward to those in in Sweden. I miss my my friends. I miss my family. I miss the struggle speaking Swedish. I really miss it. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but I really do miss it. Yeah, I I feel like I I realize now that it has rubbed off on me more than I thought it has. I I feel like I've, I'm missing home a little bit. Looking forward to to getting back into ice swimming. I've missed that. I only started that last winter. Yeah, I'm pining for it. I'm pining for Sweden. But I mean, like, and also, like, you're a musician yourself, right? Like, the music scene. Like, what's it comparable to the UK where you are now? Is there a big difference? I think the the live music scene. Is has never been massive in Sweden. Definitely, I mean it, it's there, but I mean it's so much bigger in in some of the other countries that I've been living in the last almost three months. I've been around the US a lot. I spent nine days in Nashville, and I just I've never experienced a city that is so oh god so supportive of live music. And and I can't say that Stockholm has the same, but I think when it comes to writing music and creating ideas. I think you'll struggle to find a place like Stockholm or I suppose mm. like Sweden in general, a place that's so open to ideas and, and supports new ideas really well. And it's a very creative little place. It's And it's very open to creative ideas. And, yeah, I, I think Sweden nails that. Do you think you're going to get the opportunity to write a song for the Eurovision Song Contest? Girl, 
I would live and die in the same breath if that happened to me. I would just die. <laughs> I hear, but I hear like it's it's all about the songwriting camps, right? Like once you get into those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you figured out how to get into those yet? Yeah, I've done a few camps. I'm not sure. I'm sort of, you know, I'm pretty new to songwriting still. I started songwriting mostly when I moved to Sweden, of course, because it's so big on that. Um, I'm not sure if if pop songs are my thing, but I mean, Eurovision's it's its own genre. Eurovision's everything, right? It's everything. It's everything. <laughs> Whatever you want it to be. Yes. I mean, I'll definitely one of my, you know, because now I don't have a work visa. So now I can actually, you know, be a creative person much more. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to too. It feels like I'm getting a second go at Sweden. Because mm-hmm. now I don't have to be this normal job person anymore. I can I can do my own stuff. I've never been allowed to do my own stuff in Sweden. I've always had to work. So now, ooh, ooh, what am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did I did have a question, um, just because we typically talk about Swedish problems. Yes. And what would be like your tops other than what you're going through right now? Uh, what other would be like a top Swedish <laughs> other than being deported? <laughs> That is a big one. <laughs> what would My be your biggest... top Swedish problem? Yeah. Do you know what? I think that the I have just I have realized over the years, and I have been in Sweden a long time, but uh, I've really realized now that my biggest problem is my grasp of the language. It I, I've I've I, I can speak Swedish. I can I really have invested to like, and I'm really. It means a lot to me that I that I'm able to speak Swedish, but that to me, it's so hard. I just think I'm really dumb or real slow at learning languages. That part of my brain never got like developed. So it's such a struggle. But for me, it is that is the missing piece for me when yeah. it comes to Sweden. That is the missing piece. And I'm gonna, I'm coming back for round two of Sweden determined just to struggle through. But I do think though that there's two different tracks. There's being able to speak in a social setting where you'll get a lot of forgiveness and then there's work and work, whole different story. Totally. Yeah. And I, you know what? I don't have that kind of confidence at work. I usually stick to English. Mm -hmm. I usually stick to that because you're so right. You're judged so much more harshly in a work environment. Whereas at a party, a few drinks in, I'm great at Swedish. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of liquid courage, exactly. I'm so glad we could do this, yeah. Yeah, me too. It was really cool. And it's it's fun to to talk to you guys. And thanks for sharing my story. I hope it doesn't, like, bum anyone out too much. (laughs) Are you still doing your podcast? Yeah, so I've I've done uh, one season of the Newbie Guide to Sweden podcast, which is you know, a, a bit more sort of, um, it's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the Newbie Guide to Sweden has been around for, for for donkeys and just like providing help and support to people moving to Sweden. And um, mm-hmm. I've done one season of it. I really do hope to do a second season, but of course, need to be securely back in the country before we uh, <coughs> do that. <laughs> of course. And we've had, uh, who did we have from Newbie Guide to Sweden? Ju- on Julia. There? Oh, okay. Juliana. Yeah. Juliana. That's sorry. I missed that episode. I was sick, but yes. Oh yeah, she's so she's the she's the head of the whole thing. She's great. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, thank you so much. And we hope to see you back in Sweden soon, legally. Yes. <laughs> so you, can, you can stay for for good. 
<laughs> Thanks so much. It was lovely to talk to you guys. And hopefully when I'm back for good, we can do this in person. Oh, exactly. That would oh, be that'd great. be a great update yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>